Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So, Jane, I had one of these, well, trying to give advice, but old guy moments over the weekend. Well, this uh, sounds really interesting. Well, no, okay. <laughs> so, it, my, my, my niece, who is the love of my life, I'm, I'm also her godfather, um, turned 18 on Friday. Okay, we're, we're all very proud of Sydney and stuff. And But, I mean, I so I took the, the family out to dinner on Saturday night. So we went out to, to dinner uh, to celebrate her 18th birthday. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about how time goes by. And I, I swear, it's it, it's like yesterday. I mean, I can remember like yesterday being in the hospital when she was born. Yeah. You know, it, it, so we're, we're sitting at the table, and I'm trying to, like, think of something like being the good uncle or something to say. And I, I just... I said, you know, look, Sydney, I understand that I'm sure I had older people telling me this when I was, was you know, your age. Sure. And I, I, but I said, my, my only advice to you is just enjoy this because it does, it does go by in the wink of an eye. I mean, I just, I can't believe 18 years has passed. And um, she looked at me and nodded, just like you're nodding me. And says, oh, that's really good advice. And then it's probably... I mean, thanks, probably, Jeff. Did, did you just say something? Yeah, exactly. Oh, and, and thanks thanks for the birthday gift. <laughs> you know, that was it. It was just, thanks. For, but I was just trying to impart that, you know, because that's, uh, it does go by in the wink of an eye. But you know, you have to get to a certain age, I think, before you ever appreciate that. Well, I hope so. You know, you know? <laughs> I, I just, I just hope so. That's, that was my advice. We are joined right now by the governor of the state of Wisconsin, Scott Walker. Governor, good morning. Hey, good morning. You're right about the wink of an eye. Yeah. My kids are 21 and 22, and it's uh, it's hard to believe. I still remember they were little urchins out there. They were little munchkins. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I you know we've talked about this before. I, I can remember years and years ago being we we were sitting at a table at, at at an event or a wedding or something, and we were you you were getting ready to take the kids to Disney World and all. And... You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. When they were just little. Little uh, puppies at that point. Yep. Yeah, time flies. Well, Governor, you've got a big announcement. So you're touring the state, talking about welfare reform. What's on the agenda? We are. In fact, uh, I just was in Milwaukee. Uh, I'm headed up to Green Bay and Eau Claire, and then Madison. Later today, I'll be joined by our good friend Governor Tommy Thompson. And really, what we're doing is going back to the future. You remember Tommy Thompson back in the '90s made Wisconsin famous as a leader, along with John Engler from Michigan on welfare reform. He had Wisconsin Works or commonly referred to as W-2, we're announcing today kind of the next great stage on that. We call it Wisconsin Works for Everyone. It's not just, excuse me, it's not just 2.0. It's it's far beyond just welfare reform, although it's a big part of it. We, under the President Obama and under my predecessor as governor, the state and the nation drifted away from welfare reform. But we're expanding that to include, for example, even adults with children who are school-aged to say if you're if you're, uh, you either have to be employed at least 80 hours a week to get, or excuse me, 80 hours a month to get things like uh, food stamps under food shares, or if you're not, you have to be enrolled in one of our job training programs, looking for work at least five days a week, and we're going to continue to push to allow us to do drug testing so we can get people healthy who are who are not. But it goes beyond that. It's about that. It's about helping people with disabilities. It's help. It's about expanding or extending the child care assistance so that people don't head a cliff and which has become a huge deterrent. It's about a whole series of things. They're really about the simple principle that public assistance in this state should be a trampoline, not a hammock. We want to help people when they're down and out, but we want to keep them on government dependency. We want to help them move to true independence 
to the dignity of hard work. Now, Governor, some people would, some critics would say that this is just a continuing example of the war on the poor, requiring people to go look for work, um, requiring people to perhaps submit drug t- to drug testing if you can get those approvals. I mean, how, how do you respond to that? It's all about, that's why the name is perfect, Wisconsin works for everyone. We want people to have the dignity that comes from work. It, it is not It is not a good thing to keep people um, dependent on the government for their entire lives, and it's even worse if not only they do it, but then they pass it on to the next generation. We believe that true freedom and prosperity don't come from the clumsy hand of the government. They come from empowering people to live their own lives and their own destinies to the dignity that comes from work. And so we're not just saying, hey, if you don't do this, you're off. What we're doing is giving people the skills and the training. And, and in the case, and it's not a huge percentage, but for those who are, who are addicted, uh, we're helping get them healthy through rehabilitation because we know we're down to 4% unemployment. Remember when I was first running in January of 2010, it was 9.2% unemployment. It's now 4% the lowest it's been since January of 2001. We've got one of the highest percentages of people working of any state in the nation. More people employed last year than ever before. There are jobs out there, not just jobs, there are careers out there, and we've got the ability, what we got to do is remove the barriers that historically have been in the place from people not only taking a job, but in many cases there are barriers that, that prevent people from taking a promotion and, and better themselves and their families. And so we want to have a glide path to get people um, so that they don't just fall off the grid, that they get assistance with child care, they get assistance getting healthy, um, that they're able to smoothly transition. I hear it from employers all the time who say, I got problems not just hiring people but, but giving people promotions because they don't want to lose their benefits. We're changing all that. See, and that would be one of, the, again, one of the questions I'm sure some critics would have, Governor, is, all right, it's fine to talk about trying to get people employed, but are there really the jobs out there that people who are receiving the benefits or some people who maybe have been receiving benefits for a long time, are there really jobs that they can transition into? Absolutely. JobCenterWisconsin.com routinely has about 80,000 job openings on it all over the state, whether it's in southeastern Wisconsin and Milwaukee in particular or elsewhere in the state. Uh, but the biggest barriers have been that, that there's these disincentives to work. Alberta Darling and Dewey Struble were with me today. Alberta got a group of lawmakers to send me a letter reinforcing this, saying, let's help ease that transition. That's exactly what we're doing. Brad Wozniak helped us out tremendously over the last year putting this together. Some of this requires some waivers or, or permission from the federal government, which is great because we think we've got a lock on that going forward. Uh, the new administration, the Congress, they want to work with governors like we're doing here. And we want Wisconsin to be a leader again. And again, it's beyond just the welfare. It's helping people with disabilities not not have that worry that if they work a few more hours, they're going to lose their health assistance. We transition that. It's helping in other areas, too. For example, people uh, who maybe have been in the criminal justice system, it's helping get them the training, partnering with our, our great technical colleges to get them trained, knowing if we get them trained in the workforce the chances of that repeating are dropped dramatically. It's all about work. Like I said, we, we want to help people, but we think that help should be a trampoline, not a hammock, and we're going to keep pushing that. And I, I'd love to have that battle with anyone out there, because I think when, when you meet the people we've helped over the last couple of years, they overwhelmingly tell us from one end of the state to the other, they're much better off because we gave them a chance. We believed in them. We expect more of them. 
than what the government had before. Governor, obviously one of the controversial aspects of this, and you've talked about it before, is the drug testing of adults without children. Um, is you, you do need a waiver from the federal government to do that, maybe a law change. Um, is, is that something that you're going to continue to push for, and do you expect that you're going to find a sympathetic ear on that issue with the Trump administration? A- absolutely. And all these issues, one of the great things I just talked the other day with Amber, Andrew Brimberg, who is the director of White House Policy, he happened to be a couple years ago my policy director, so it's nice to have not just Ryan's previous, but others in the White House we can talk policy with. Uh, they're excited about helping us in the areas where they can provide waivers for any number of things we're talking about in this package. But from a statutory ch- change, which we believe we need for the to ultimately have the green light on the on the drug testing component, uh, we've got an eager Congress. We've had people in the last year contact us while we've been having this battle with the federal government. They get it. They understand it. They know that if people are healthy, you can put anyone to work, and that's what we're doing. It's not punitive. Uh, cutting people off is punitive if you don't have any plan. Our plan is to get them healthy and into the workforce. Governor, let's talk logistics for a minute. Um, you, obviously, you're, you're talking in very big, bold strokes right now. Um, let, let's talk about the nuts and bolts. Um, are, are you are you going to be rolling out legislative initiatives? And if so, when? How How is this actually going to play out as far as trying to actually advance this? We're going to put this entire package in the budget. It is big. It obviously has a fiscal impact. Um, it's, we're investing money to save money uh, because when you make these changes, you help, like I said, wean people off of things like child care or, or assistance for people with disabilities. When you help them not just hit a wall and then drop off, but you help wean people off, it's going to cost a little bit to begin with. But we believe that we can measure out the savings that are provided over the next two years of the budget. So we're going to include this all in the budget. It's a package. It's a big part of the rollout. And, you know, having Alberta Darling there today, who's one of the co-chairs of the Joint Finance Committee, she's passionate about this as well. And, um, you know, I think this is one of the areas where if people are honest about it, we should have more than just Republican support. But we should have Democrats supporting this because if, if you really think about it, who can be against putting people to work? I remember my dad, long since retired, but was a, a minister. And when people would come to the church asking for assistance, he wouldn't just give them assistance. He'd, he'd ask for them to do something. Uh, many cases, uh, you know, it might be as simple as, you know, painting a fence or helping take out the garbage or more the lawn or whatever it was. But I just think there's inherently a dignity that comes from work. We want to help people get that dignity back. We want to help people not just to get a job but a career. And my goal is by the time I'm done being governor, whether it's two or maybe even six years from now, uh, I want to make sure that everyone who who's able is in the workforce. Well, you know, Governor, I remember. I, I mean, I remember when. When we were talking, we were having the conversations when unemployment was very high about extending unemployment benefits, and there were certainly a percentage of the people who were on unemployment comp, not maybe not a majority, but there were a percentage who really weren't going back to look for work until they were they had run out of benefits because they had kind of made the decision, gee, I can get almost as much money not working as working, so you know why 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 bother working? And that that always struck me as being well somewhat problematic. <laughs> Well, it is. It's human nature, though. Unfortunately, we find it to be true just about anything where there's a time deadline or a timeline involved. Is that people tend to wait until they, uh, you know, until they get to a point where uh, the timeline runs out. In in this case, they're much, much better off if we get people into the workforce. And so, just continuing benefits is not the answer. That has formed. You know, generation after generation of dependency, that's not true independence. People talk about taking things away. 
the worst thing you can take away is someone's dignity. And uh, to me, being permanently dependent on the government, if you're able to work, is is really the ultimate form of, of taking someone's independence away. We want to give people something back, and the best thing we can give them is their independence and giving the support, not just pushing them out there, pushing them to the curb. But this is very, I, I think it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's the best way to love your neighbor is to help them uh, take on their next task and, and control their lives, and that's exactly what we're doing. Governor Scott Walker, I know you've got a very busy day. Thanks for taking some time out to speak with me, and I, I look forward to seeing the details and to discussing them over the, couple, the next couple months. Have a great day, sir. You too, Jeff. Thanks. Okay, take care. That's uh, Governor Scott Walker. Um, part of the budget, big news. Apparently, this I mean, this budget is going to feature welfare reform. You know it's going to be incredibly, incredibly controversial, but it does appear to be something that the governor is committed to. 1021, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Twenty-three, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. Have mega fast food franchises like McDonald's or Burger King finally met their limit as far as expansion and profit? The guys on WTMJ today have some new numbers that might back up that claim. They took a take a look this afternoon at twelve thirty-five. All right, um, that that is news. I mean, Governor Walker following through with what he alluded to in his state of the state speech that I think welfare reform is going to be at the top of his agenda moving forward. Now, look, I understand the devil is always in the details, but but here is what my hope is. And I understand I am not naive enough to recognize that this is probably a pie in the sky dream for me. But I would hope that people would look at this in a somewhat open-minded fashion. The problem nowadays is that if you ever try to reform anything when it comes to entitlement programs, you are immediately denounced by all the usual suspects as launching into th- this war on the poor. Now, this, uh, my, my goodness, you, you want to you wanna make it tougher for people to commit food stamp fraud. Okay, well, that's that's the war on the poor. You know, you want to limit the type of goods that people, things that people can buy with food stamps, so you can't go buy lobster tail and a whole bunch of Mountain Dew. Oh, that's the war on the poor. That That's the, the thing, and that you get the usual suspects that, that trot that out. And I'm sure you're going to get a lot of that same sort of thing. Oh, my goodness, you know, they, they, they want to... They want to make people have to go get additional training or they want to, you know, try to check out whether or not people are are using drugs. And I think that actually the the drug testing thing is going to be very, very controversial and you need federal legislation changes for that. But as a general rule, I, I think when you hear the governor talking about his concerns with people who have been involved, you know, trapped in generational cycles of poverty where you have folks who didn't who really you know haven't worked for much if all of their lives and their children haven't worked this kind of generational we're trapped in this cycle of poverty because the reality is if you have any hope of getting out of poverty you need education you need training and you need jobs now that's one of the reasons i asked the governor the question about you know are are there the jobs there because if you take folks who have been unemployed and you give them training but there's no jobs for them to walk into. Well, you, you really haven't solved that. So, I mean, that's that's always the question. And I understand sometimes maybe it means a little bit of relocation and things like that. But in general, you would think that this would be a bipartisan sort of thing to try to, again, help get people 
who are now dependent on government programs off of government programs. And again, if you've got single moms that need child care for them to go out to work, well, you have to make those arrangements. If there are people who have dropped out of school and don't have a GED and have no training, you know, they're not going to be able to get work unless you can get them some sort of training. So you have to have those type of comprehensive programs. But my hope is that People just don't have this knee-jerk reaction, especially the folks with the Walker derangement syndrome or the usual suspects who you know, don't want to see anything happen to change these programs. I hope people will at least look at this in an open-minded fashion and say, okay, can this work, and is it worth trying out? Just saying. 1027, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Ten thirty-four, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. The, um, have mega food franchises such as McDonald's or Burger King have finally met their limit as far as expansion and profit? The guys on WTMJ today have some new numbers that might back up that claim. They'll take a look today at twelve thirty-five. Um, I I don't follow that many people on the Twitter uh, Twitter, but I, I will tell you this, um, Sheriff David Clark. If, if for nothing else. Entertainment value alone is is it's worth following Sheriff Clark. Now, Sheriff Clark, uh, you you have the hate left. You know the the people that you know hate the Scott Walkers of the world, the people that hate Donald Trump. That, that don't. I mean, Donald Trump. I swear, you know, could come out and give a hundred dollar bills to you know every one of the people at the women's march, and they would be offended because he gave them hundred dollar bills, and they have to break them. They they didn't give us five twenty. So, I mean, I, I appreciate that there is this hate left that's out there, and and David Clark, um, David Clark does not suffer that. And so you follow his Twitter and there's a he was actually in Washington and he's got a number of very, very controversial tweets up um, involving, you know, what happened. I mean, I'm just looking at some of them. Several taunted me at the women's riot. I dared those creeps to do something they knew better and kept it to verbal insults. No cops to be found. Analysis of women's riot today in D.C. Overwhelmingly white women, black and Latino women were absent. So typical of this socialist movement and you know and it, and again David Clark takes no prisoners and I I appreciate that don't agree with some of the things that he ends up saying but I appreciate that you know he's out there and you know he's aggressively fighting for what he believes and you know his vision of what the country needs to do so I I support him to that extent and I I've supported him you know in the past when he's run for election and, and re-election that being said, and I touched on this a little bit Thursday, and this this is my concern. I have no issues with Sheriff Clark going out, and Sheriff Clark can be a vocal spokesman for Donald Trump, and he can certainly talk about his vision of America and you know what he thinks we need to do to take care of a lot of the social problems and the criminal justice issues, and, and that that's all fine. I, I do think at the same time, and just like President Trump doesn't take advice from me. I know Sheriff Clark doesn't. There are there are other things that really that, that go beyond the, the rhetoric. And you know, we talked about this briefly on Thursday show. This incident on on this airplane, where you know, he's coming back from Dallas a week ago Sunday, and Sheriff Clark is sitting in first class. Some guy walks past, and the, the guy's story is: I asked him if he was Sheriff Clark. He said yes, and then I kind of rolled my eyes. Now. 
I don't know. My sense is there's probably something more than that. My sense is the guy probably said something. Don't know, wasn't there, but I'm just trying to imagine this exchange, to which Sheriff Clark, who does not suffer fools, probably responded. All right, so I get all that. But then what happens is when the plane lands in Milwaukee, the guy is greeted by, at least according to his story, sheriff's deputies and dogs, and he, he's, he's jacked up. Um, I, I don't want to get into the legalities of it. That comes out in court. Was this a detention? Was he free to go? What, what exactly happened? But, you know, now the Journal Sentinel reporting that the guy's got a lawyer and they're talking about making a claim or whatever, you know, was, was he wrongfully detained? And, again, this is – it's at this point in time that as a taxpayer in Milwaukee County – you kind of take a step back and you say, look, I, I don't care about the rhetoric. And, for example, I, I don't care if the sheriff wants to, you know, do these type of things, be a star on Fox News. I, I don't that's not an issue. I don't care about that. But I, I do care when th- these altercations and stuff then start to affect taxpayers, which is if somebody thinks they have been improperly detained, and I'm not prejudging that. I take no position on it. But, all right, if as a result of some contact, now somebody's going to file a lawsuit saying that, hey, I, I was improperly detained, and I want however much money I want and all that type of stuff, well, then it becomes the taxpayers that end up paying for it. And as a taxpayer, that's where I kind of say, all right, we, we need to be a little bit more circumspect. So I, I continue to be a fan of David Clark. But at the same time, while I find some of the tweets to be entertaining, and if he wants to get into verbal arguments with people at the Women's March and stuff like that, go with God. That, that, that's fine, and I, I think it's perfectly fair for people who support Donald Trump to give as good as they get when it comes to you know, some of the stuff that is out there and some of the stuff that is being directed against Donald Trump. Where I draw the line, though, is if it's going to start to affect if it bleeds over and starts to affect, again, the public dollars and taxpayers and things like that, that's when it's kind of like, just turn the other cheek. They're, turn the other cheek. So we'll see. But again, if you're looking for somebody to follow on Twitter, you, you, David Clark, you could go a lot further and do a lot worse, because if nothing else, you might not agree with it, but um, he, he calls it like he sees it. It is 1040. Donald Trump now says even after this audit is complete, he's not releasing his taxes, and his top advisor says it's because nobody cares. 1040, we'll discuss. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1042, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Donald Trump begins his first full week in office. What's on the wish list for the new president, and what objectives can he accomplish relatively soon? John McCure in Wisconsin's Afternoon News examines this later today at 310. Be sure to check that out. All right. During the election campaign, Donald Trump said he was refusing to release his income tax returns. Now, by way of background, every president since we well, got to go back to Richard Nixon, every president going back to Richard Nixon has released their income tax returns. There's no legal obligation that they do it, but everybody has done that during the campaign. Uh, Donald Trump said, I'm not releasing my tax returns now because they're under audit. But but once the audit is completed, I, I will release them. Now, as I said at the time, there's no legal – the mere fact that you are, quote-unquote, under audit, that, that doesn't mean that you can't release your tax returns. There's, there's nothing about that that would prevent you from doing that. That was the – and I think it was an excuse that he gave. My th- But he said – the, the promise was, okay, when the audit is done, I'm going to release them. Now, my theory all along, I, I do not believe that there's anything 
in the Trump tax returns that are criminal. That there, There's nothing like that. There's no suggestion that he's committed any crimes in connection with you know, the way he fills out his tax returns. What I personally believe is going on is that he's probably paid – at least in federal income tax, because of deductions and credits and everything. My guess is he's paid little or no federal income tax over a long period of time. That's what I personally think is going on. And, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't want it to come out because he thinks it would be a little bit embarrassing. But that's, that's my theory. Could be completely wrong, but that's what I think is going on. Um, because, candidly, if you look at a lot of disclosure statements, his business ties are pretty well known. Um, I, I think it's that, again, through legal use of deductions, whatever, credits, I think he's paid little or nothing in federal income tax um, on the tax returns, and he wants to avoid that. Well, anyhow, the development over the weekend is that a number of they, – they, they have these petitions on the White House website. Obama used to use them. And apparently as of Sunday morning, there is a petition signed by more than 200,000 people saying that Trump should immediately release his tax returns. Um, in addition to that, when you look at the, the – there's a Washington Post-ABC News poll released last week that said that 74 percent of Americans believe he should make the documents public, including 53 percent of Republicans. So obviously this wasn't a voting issue, but – but, you know, people think you should do it. In any event, over the weekend, Kellyanne Conway, who's the senior aide to President Trump, um, she goes on TV and says – she's asked about this – and she says the White House response is that he's not going to release his tax returns. We litigated this all through the election. People didn't care. They voted for him. And let me make this very clear. Most Americans are are very focused on what their tax returns will look like while Donald Trump is in office, not what his look like. So in other words, we're not we're not turning these over. We don't think people care. Stop asking. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Okay, is she right? Do people really care about this? Because this was certainly an issue in the election, and Trump won the election. Should he reverse course and make his tax returns public? Jeff in Wauwatosa. Jeff, you're first. Good morning. Yes, um, I, I don't believe he should have to release them. Or I'd really like him not to. Um, you know, he's starting fresh. He was in business. Um, it, the, you know, it's, you know, if he did promise to us, his first promise he broke, Mm -hmm. but I would like to see some positive things about our president come up now, instead of all this negative, it's been negative. It's been the worst campaign ever. Why don't we put some positive stuff out there? Like the jobs that he has brought in and everything he's trying to do for this country. So you don't, you don't, so his tax returns how much he paid, how little he paid, what deductions he took. You just, you don't care. You don't, you think that that's kind of white noise. Right. Why should it matter? He's a millionaire. He's, got he's a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. Even if he got it illegally, I don't care. He's the president now. Uh, you know? Well, well I, mean, I, I, let me st- I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll stop you. I mean, obviously if he got it illegally or if there were, I mean, if there were evidence that there was tax fraud or something like that, that's a completely different story, and that, in which case he should be investigated and charged. My guess is Donald Trump's tax returns have been the subject of lots of audits and lots of investigations over the year. Do people care about this, though? Should we care? 414-799-1620. Uh, Jake in Caledonia. Jake, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Morning, Jeff. What do you I think? think people, I think people do care, but more importantly, I think this goes down as credibility. He made a commitment. 
he needs to follow through on it. He made a promise that mm-hmm. he can do this after the audit. And I think uh, that it goes a long way. Right. Do you care what's in them? Let, let us say, for the sake of argument, that my theory is right, that it's going to show that because of legal deductions, legal credits, carryovers, whatever, that he's paid little or no federal income tax. If that's what they show, do you care? No, actually, I'd be more impressed with him. Okay. I think that he's a very smart uh, business guy, and this is what our country needs. Right. Um, but but it's be because it's— though, if he does not. Because, after because, the audit, because they, they told us that after the audit it was going to be released. Because he made a promise. Yeah. He would do it after that. He yeah. needs to follow through on his promise, or else he loses credibility with me. Um, thanks to call, 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. See, I, I actually— I, I'm. I understand where where he's coming from. I and I said this at the time. I don't care what's in his tax returns. I I, I don't. I think if he's obviously committed tax fraud or something like like that, I think he deserves to be prosecuted and you know deserves to be investigated and prosecuted if there's fraud. If these are legal returns, though, and there, there's no evidence that there's anything funny in them. The tax returns, I don't know what they would particularly show beyond what else is out there. 414-799-1620, Joe in Wauwatosa. Joe, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Good morning. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I care what's in his tax returns. Not, okay. not in the sense of, you know, if he was smart about deductions and didn't have to pay much in taxes. But we as the American people need to know where his uh, business interests lie and how they might be a conflict of interest to his role as the president or well, do you think that there's something in his people? tax ret- i mean he's already had to file an incredible i mean like a 180 page disclosure statement i mean every it seems to me i can't pick up the new york times without seeing one story or another talking about potential conflicts of interest and these are his business interests i read something in the washington post over the weekend about you know 10 or 12 foreign countries that like Trump Industries had had dealings with. I guess my question is, do you really think that there's something else in the tax returns that might show more of a conflict of interest than is already out there? I mean, because I think people, while they don't exactly know what his income is, people pretty much know where his income is coming from. I think it looks suspicious that he doesn't want to release it. If there's nothing to hide, then Lisa, well, what if my th- what if my what if my theory deal. is right that it's just kind of embarrassed that that if if what if my theory is right that it shows that he paid little or no federal income tax again that's just my theory but I I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case I, I think there's been enough stories out there that that show because of business losses he held had back I don't know right. how many years ago that we're already expecting that right and he can he can con- control the damage from that whatever damage might come from that from a PR standpoint better than by withholding it and it just makes it look more suspicious do you think do you think that this is do you think that any trump supporter you know and and again i understand people who don't like donald trump you know there's all sorts of reasons they're they're not going to suddenly like him because he releases his tax returns i mean i'm not that naive do you think by refusing to release his tax returns he will lose standing or lose support among the people who already support him uh i think he's made statements about what he can do and won't lose support and yeah. uh, uh, people he's made a promise he's not holding it and right. some people are going to not care and some people are going to be upset about it fair enough thanks to call 414-799-1620-800-877-1620 andrew and wawatosa andrew you're on 620 wtmj good morning 
All right, morning, Jeff. Uh, listen to you a lot. First Thank you. Caller. Thanks for calling. What do you um, think? So, I mean, the first thing, I, I listen to my callers. I, I, I'm more along the lines of the last caller. I, I agree that they should be released. And, and I, I think that the main thing that's an issue is, number one, the president is the person who his entire life should be an open book to Americans because that's the position that he chose to go for. Mm-hmm. On top of that, he has, you know, a, a lot of choices in what taxes we get taxed. And we all get taxed. Everyone gets taxed. So uh, we have to get taxed. And I think that it'd be interesting to see what his taxes reveal. Now, mm-hmm. everyone has said, including yourself, that it doesn't matter what comes up on his taxes. We're still going to back the president because we want to make America great again. And, and so, yeah, I agree. Like, for me as well, I don't know that it would matter so much what's on his taxes. But I get the last caller, and, you know, what is it that he's trying to hide? And if he does want to... If he does, is fearful of all the things that will come out and all the stories that will compound each other from this one issue, then get it over with now. You've got four years. you got to deal with this. Do you think the law should be changed to require presidents or presidential candidates to release their tax returns? Because right now, all the ones that have done it have done it not because they were forced to by law, but because that they chose to or they felt public pressure. Should the law be changed to require disclosure using the, the theory that you were just talking about, which is, hey, the American people, your life should be an open book if you want to be the leader of the free world? Yeah, I do. I, I absolutely agree that they should be required to do. I mean, we know how much we can look up how much they make as a president, as mm-hmm. a president, right. you know, their salary. Right. Um, we all know that politicians have a lot of things that they don't pay for, clearly. You know, and, I mean, I hope. I hope most Americans do understand that. Right. Or, and a lot of sources said. of outside income, you know, um, you know, books that yeah. they write and things like that, sure. Exactly. But I do agree, though, much like, you know, I, I don't know as much about it, but I look back on the Bush administration, how he had had, you know, that we found out he had a conflict of interest because he, he owned part of an oil, you know, company. And mm-hmm. that's all fine, fine and dandy, but I think it, no matter what, he should be allowed to own whatever he wants. But let us know about it. The and disclosure. It's and it's out there. That it's, it's done. The conversation's over, and we can move on to things that really are important, like education and other issues in America. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We continue the conversation. It's 1054. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Stick around. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up in less than 12 minutes, the ghost of Jim Doyle continues to haunt us. And then... Is it anti-union or pro-taxpayer? Stick around. Right now, we're talking about the announcement, uh, Donald Trump's top advisor saying over the weekend that, you know, we know we said during the campaign that when the audit of his tax returns is released, we'll, we'll, is finished, we'll release his tax returns. Now they're saying, no, we're not going to release them. Does anybody care? Charlie and Slinger. Charlie, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? How should this work out? Well, I think that well, all he's really doing is he's debunking a fourth-year precedent that uh, was set. It's not required to right. be in office, and if it were, I also think that other holders of their offices should have to release their, their tax records mm-hmm. also, which would create an entire mess, and it really doesn't matter to the day-to-day person, namely me, right. out there working, trying to make a living. Right. In, in the list of the top 100 things on your agenda, Looking at Donald Trump's tax returns are probably like 150 on your top 100 list, right? 230 at least. <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks for the call. Fair enough. Raymond in Milwaukee. Raymond, you're on 620 WTMJ. The last word is yours. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. My thing is, okay, so are we going to just, uh, everything Trump doesn't like, we're going to throw it out. We're going to use the Trump protocol going forward in other elections. And mm-hmm. so whatever Trump doesn't like, 
about the country now. We're going to just let him change everything. Well, see, that that is interesting, though. Because I, the reason I think a lot of candidates have disclosed, uh, I think the reason every candidate has disclosed this over the last 40 years is because they thought it would hurt them at the polls. They thought that they probably had to do that in uh-huh. order to avoid, like, fallout. Trump, apparently there wasn't that much fallout because he you know, he didn't release his tax returns, and he got away with it, and, and he got elected. I mean, is it— Okay, that's what I'm saying. So since he set this precedent, so do we not require it anymore? Do we not even ask anymore for this figure? Yeah, well, I mean, right, or or is he a unique type of candidate that he can do stuff that no other candidate would be able to get away with? <laughs> I think he is. I think he—but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, I, but, but what I want to know is, are his supporters just going to go to sleep and just let him tell them— anything which is which is interesting now, thanks for the call i mean i look i i think he should disclose the stuff just to make this issue go away and that that's that does he have an obligation to do it no he doesn't do i care about i i don't i i really i really don't do i think you're going to see anything that's going to show conflict of interest besides all the other stuff no at the same time it is a distraction and i but i also appreciate that as soon as you release this that people that hate him are going to go on to some other issue but i I'd, I'd turn. I'd, I'd make the results public. I mean, what? What the heck? 